0: Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast titled Getting Around. I'm D.G. Linton Gridley, founder and CEO of Aging with Grace. Welcome. You are listening to the Aging with Grace podcast designed to help you age with grace by giving you information and news you can use, and I'm so glad that you decided to join us today. The information we share is not just for older folks, It's for everyone, because we're all aging, and good health is the foundation for aging with grace. Good health is a culmination of life habits and genetics and circumstance. We are in control of much when it comes to our health. We need to make good decisions all of our lives in order to age with grace. This week, we're going to look at getting from point A to point B. When I was 50 years old, my left ankle started giving out on me. I had injured it twice as a younger person, much younger, once when I was six and once when I was 13. So one day when I was 50, I was at the top of the stairs and it it just wouldn't move at all. It was very frightening. I started having horrible pain as I walked. I had been jogging, but I had to give that up altogether. And sometimes I'd be walking and it just wouldn't work. And sometimes it hurt so badly I couldn't walk. I went to see a doctor who referred me to an orthopedist. The orthopedist sent me to have an MRI. Good thing I had good insurance at the time. I couldn't believe how much an MRI cost out of pocket. It was over a $1,000. Anyway, the MRI showed that I had bone on bone in my ankle. The orthopedist recommended that I wear a brace and stop running. I had a brace specially fitted for me. That was really expensive too, but my insurance covered it but the brace prevented me from wearing a lot of shoes that I liked to wear. So I bought some hiking boots and continued to walk in spite of the pain. The hiking boots helped somewhat, but it was still painful. That was 16 years ago. Somehow, my my ankle healed because I went to another orthopedist and had an x-ray last year, and the doctor said it looked fine. I went to the orthopedist because since my ankle didn't hurt much anymore, I was planning on jogging again, and I wanted to make sure that it wouldn't damage my ankle further. The orthopedist I saw last year said I might have what's called ankle instability, and it's a problem with the soft tissues in my ankle and shouldn't be a problem if I wanted to run again. So I have been. It feels great to be able to run again. I walk or jog about four miles five days a week. My ankle still hurts a little most of the time, but I don't let it stop me from wearing the shoes that I want to wear and from doing what I want to do. I don't have to wear hiking boots anymore to support my ankle when I go for long walks either. I just wear good running shoes. I know lots of other people who have joint problems because of accidents or genetics or poor diet and no exercise. They have lost the ability to walk or the ability to walk very far, and they certainly can't run. Which causes a problem, of course, not being able to walk. I mean, we need to get to, be, we need to be able to get from point A to point B somehow. All animals move from one location to another in order to exist. Humans are no different. We have to move to live to be healthy. But our modern society, lifestyle and culture has progressed to the point where we don't have to move to get what we need. It's very bad for our health. We have to make ourselves move more than what is required to get to our jobs and to get food in our mouths. Because in today's society, we don't have to move much to get what we need to live. It is up to us as individuals to make a decision to move more than we have to, so that we will be able to walk well into our 90s and 100s if we live that long. If you don't use it, you lose it, you've probably heard, and it's so true when it comes to walking. Of course, things happen in spite of our best efforts, accidents, and genetic predispositions, but those are rare, very rare. For most of us, the disability that happens in our later years is due to poor diet and lack of exercise. As for people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s discover that their joints are painful, too painful to walk, there is hope. My advice is to first go to see a doctor, of course, a specialist and orthopedist, a really good one. Surgery should be avoided if at all possible. Before considering surgery, the first step should be seeing a chiropractor and going to physical therapy and doing joint strengthening exercises like yoga and Pilates and Tai Chi as pain permits, of course. If your doctor allows, I would also wear a brace on knees and ankles, but of course there's no brace for the hips that I know of. For people who are still working 40 hours a week, all those suggestions may be very challenging to accomplish. For people who have already lost the ability to walk, there are other options, other ways of getting around. Power chairs, all kinds of walkers, wheelchairs, scooters, canes. I'm hoping that someday someone invents an exoskeleton that, that a person can step into that will essentially be a robot that walks for them. I know we have the technology to accomplish that, but of course it's probably cost prohibitive at this time for the common person to afford. But like smartphones and space travel, I think it'll become a reality someday. But for now, our inner skeletons and our muscles need to do the work to get us from here to there if we don't want to use a walker or a cane or a power chair or a scooter Please do what you need to do if you are still able to walk to keep walking. Let's consider using a cane. Just like a three-legged stool is sturdier with three, re- three legs rather than two, so are we sturdier with a third leg, the cane. The cane helps balance us. People who have dementia can't use canes, however, or walkers, because it requires a thought process that we have to learn to be able to use it correctly. People with dementia can't learn. Canes and walkers are really more about balance, helping with balance, than they are with helping with joint pain or a loss of strength. For joint pain, people often resort to first getting injections until those don't work anymore, and then they have surgery. If they didn't have surgery, they would have to use a wheelchair or a power scooter or a power chair or a scooter to get from point A to B. People with dementia often lose the ability to walk because their brain doesn't remember how to walk any longer. People with dementia who can't walk must use wheelchairs. A power chair or a scooter would be disastrous in the hands of a person with dementia. They could hurt somebody. For people who do not have dementia and who have joint pain and do not want to have surgery for whatever reason or who are so overweight with so little muscle that they have lost the ability to walk, Power chairs and scooters are a popular choice. I think it's fantastic that we have power chairs and scooters for people that need them, but walking is a better option and is best, and the ability to walk should be preserved if at all possible. And I'm hoping someday the exoskeleton will be invented so people won't need power chairs or scooters at all. They can be fitted for an exoskeleton and walk again. The military has been developing exoskeletons for years for use in warfare. Manufacturing companies have developed exoskeletons for production purposes. What follows is an article from NBCNews.com titled, Robotic Exoskeletons Are Changing Lives in Surprising Ways. Powered exoskeletons, wearable robotics, passive exosuits, and powered clothing are bringing Iron Man's armor down to Earth and Maybe Into Your Closet, by Stephen Ashley. Say the term power suit, and most people think of bold corporate attire, but the expression takes on new meaning when it refers to a powered exoskeleton, like Ellen Ripley's power loader in Aliens, or Iron Man's armor from the Marvel, Marvel films and comic books. Until a few years ago, such exoskeletons Metal frameworks fitted with motorized muscles that can multiply the wearer's strength far beyond that of normal humans, were entirely fictional. The only real-world exoskeletons were the natural external coverings of animals such as beetles and crabs, protective outer structures that provide a stiff frame upon which their muscles can push against to move their bodies around. Today, powered exoskeleton suits are becoming a reality. Perhaps several hundred commercial and experimental exosuits now operate globally, but until somebody invents the equivalent of the palm-sized power plant Tony Stark wears in his chest, real-world exoskeleton suits will have to make do with an all-too-limited power supply and much less spectacular capabilities unless they can stay tethered to electrical cables in factories or at work sites. But any need for power cables runs counter to technology's fundamental long-term aim, enhanced individual mobility for anyone, anywhere. Even if current exoskeleton suits don't bestow superhuman powers, they will increasingly impact people's lives by helping the infirm get around safely and independently and assisting workers to perform hazardous jobs with fewer injuries, no small task for anyone. Superhero and Average Joe included. Add the fact that a new generation of soft exoskeleton suits is seemingly on the way and in time nearly everybody should be enabled to wear a power suit. Suiting Up One of the few people on the planet who has spent considerable time wearing a powered exoskeleton is Steven Sanchez, chief pilot for X. He test drives the Berkeley, California-based startup's Phoenix Suit, a motorized lower body framework that rather amazingly enables people with severe mobility issues to rise up from their wheelchairs and walk. Sanchez, a paraplegic since a BMX bike accident in 2004, is excited about the future of robotic exoskeletons. This technology can give you the kind of mobility you want, he says, It physically opens up all kinds of access that's been lacking, which makes for greater independence and a better quality of life. But just as important as the mental side is the social benefit, Sanchez continues, it lets you break out of the wheelchair bubble, which often defines the interactions that disabled individuals have with others. Just being able to walk up to people really changes how they react to you, he says, Few people have tried exoskeletons because they're still very costly. The phoenix suit goes for around thirty thousand, a bargain compared with other medical and therapeutic exosuits, which can cost eighty thousand and weigh more than forty four pounds, weighing only twenty seven pounds. The phoenix suit is affordable minimal design exosuit says its maker, Professor Hamayun Kazaruni. Of the University of California Berkeley and co founder of Exobionics and founder of Suit X. Rather than a Ferrari, we're making a Honda sedan, he says, we stripped off as much of the complexity and cost as we could. Unlike similar systems, Phoenix foregoes the motorized knee modules found in competitor suits in favor of a passive mechanism that more faithfully m- mimics the movement of a human knee. The unpowered knee gives you a much more natural gait, Sanchez says, noting that stubbing your toe when wearing a powered knee can send you flying. That doesn't happen with the Phoenix suit. The business of wearable robotics. Even though relatively few exosuits exist, the list of potential users is long and growing. Beyond the many disabled and elderly people who could make use of the technology, So, too, could their nurses and caregivers, with health insurance covering the bill. In addition, shipping and industrial workers, loggers, and miners would benefit from job-assist exosuits and robotic wearables, perhaps with employers writing off the costs as a safety device. Meanwhile, governments could soon start outfitting firefighters, EMS, and disaster personnel, combat troops, and logistics specialists, with protective exoskeletons cheaper more capable exoskeletons are on the way according to Dan Kara veteran robotics industry analyst at ABI Research an entire wearable robotics industry today comprising around 40 r and d design that's research and design groups worldwide is coalescing that should become a 2 billion dollar Global market by 2025. Lower body exoskeletons for rehabilitation or as quality of life enablers are available today, he says, but systems that augment or amplify on the job performance are next. This means assisting with industrial tasks that require heavy lifting or easing, extended standing, squatting, bending, or walking in manufacturing facilities and in the construction and farming industries. Overexertion by workers costs employers $15 billion a year in compensation, so providing protective exosuits could make good business sense. Workplace exoskeletons Suit X has a new workplace exoskeleton, the MAX, which is crafted to be passive, unpowered part of Kazaruni's design simplification approach. A lightweight metal frame redirects loads to the attachment points on the body, transferring the strain to the hips and then down to the ground. It's not Iron Man. It's all mechanical, he says, when a wearer bends forward, compressed air springs in the back to take some of the load off, almost like shock absorbers in a car. The shoulder unit employs a similar assist mechanism for lifting or working above the head. The timber cutters and construction workers I worked with just love the Max suit, says a workplace injury prevention specialist, who recently field-tested the device. Right away, you could see they all felt like superheroes. The workers liked it even more on the job site. Instead of squatting, they could just sit down right into the suit. It becomes a chairless chair, he reports. If they're cutting overhead branches or wiring overhead harnesses, the max shoulder unit takes the load. All they need to do is maneuver the saws or the tools. Soft exosuits Although limited power supply is still a huge constraint, today's batteries may prove to be enough as exosuit tech morphs into new forms. Not only are passive exoskeletons arriving on the wearable robotics catwalk, but many new exoskeletons have gone soft, eschewing metal frames altogether for flexible fabric and artificial muscles. The new trend stems from a DARPA-funded program dubbed Warrior Web which seeks to prevent damage to injury-prone areas of the body and minimize injuries. Rich Mahoney, co-founder and CEO of Superflex, a Bay Area spinoff of leading research and development lab, SRI International, is adapting this idea to create smart, sensor-actuated clothing for senior citizens with mobility problems. We're calling it powered clothing, Mahoney says, because it's a wearable garment that delivers a little bit of strength just where and when you need it, when you get up from a chair or reach overhead. It's kind of like when an electric bike's power kicks in on an incline. Similarly, it would help you up the stairs. By mid-2018, Mahoney hopes to unveil the Auro Exosuit, an undergarment made of technical fabrics, that incorporates both sensors to track the posture and movement of the body and motorized muscle bands that follow and operate along the body's major muscle groups. When the wearer prepares to move, smart sensors power motors that apply forces tailored to assist a particular motion. The system's intermittent use of scarce battery power is an added plus, he notes. Another proponent of soft exosuit designs is Connor Walsh, a roboticist who heads Harvard's Biodesign Lab in Cambridge, Massachusetts. We're developing soft wearable robots that make use of fabrics and textiles to provide a more conformal, unobtrusive, and compliant means to interface to the human body, he says. These suits are much more lightweight and don't restrict the wearer's joints like hard exoskeletons can. Walsh's current exosuits are intended for stroke patients But there's no reason that similar technology couldn't augment the capabilities of healthy individuals, for example, by improving walking efficiency, he says. It's no wonder, then, that the lab has partnered with Boston-based athletic shoemaker New Balance to develop soft, wearable robotics for the general public. Both Walsh and Mahoney believe there's a latent demand for lifestyle, soft exosuit applications it may very well be that as soft exotech gets more affordable, it will start showing up on skiing and hiking trails. Soon pretty much anybody who wants augmented powers may someday get an exosuit, and that could be nearly everybody. Extrapolation is perilous, but exosuits could one day become mass-produced personal mobility machines for everyone, a fashionable high-tech device that enables independence improves overall physical well-being, and operates as a status symbol. In other words, like today's car. Guess it's no surprise that engineers at Hyundai, Honda, Toyota, and other manufacturers are hard at work building tomorrow's exoskeletons. So, that's the end of that article. So, there's hope for us baby boomers boomers who are overweight with no muscle, or who have bad joints, or who are disabled for any reason we may be able to afford an exoskeleton soon. When I consider how much an elevator and a power chair costs, an exoskeleton for $30,000 does not seem like too much money at all. And by the way, that article was written before 2018 sometime, so I need to research to find out how soon we'll be able to buy an exoskeleton. It should be pretty soon. They were saying 2025 in the article. So all exoskeleton robotics power suits seem much more user-friendly for a better quality of life than those cumbersome and dangerous power chairs or scooters. Self-driving cars are on their way into mainstream culture also, I've read. So us baby boomers are going to usher in a new way for older folks to live. We will be walking around in our exosuits for going from point A to B for a short distance and chauffeured in our self-driving cars when going from point A to point B for a long distance. (laughs) I love technology. I've been a sci-fi fan and a superhero comic book fan since I was a little girl. It is so exciting to see the imaginings of my childhood come to real life. When I was a child, I wanted to invent a helmet that that the doctor would put on, connected to a helmet that his patient put on, so he could feel their symptoms in hopes of knowing how to heal them. Maybe someday that will become a reality too. (laughs) I hope I've shared some interesting information that will help you or someone you know. Please do share this podcast and please do let me know what you think. Continuous improvement is one of my core values. So I'm hoping you have a week of making happy memories and I'm saying bye for now. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the last episode. For more information, please go to agingwithgraceinfo.org. That's agingwithgraceinfo.org. Thank you. The health club for seniors is your kind of place. So come and join us and age with grace.